All right, y'all, we did it. Episode seven. This is the end of the first season of Here For Now. I'm Nate DeRoe. On the other side of the glass, my producer, Tyler Floyd. Hi, Tyler. Hello. Uh, this is a real good one. I was actually listening to the interview that we did a couple weeks ago on the way here today. And Ty Dykema is someone who has influenced me kind of, uh, in, I don't want to even say inadvertently, but not purposefully. He's not trying to influence me, but he he has changed my outlook on a lot of things just by being him. And it was super, super cool to go to his home and sit down and kind of like dig deeper, figure out who he is. Like what, what leads Ty to be able to influence me, someone who's not terribly easily influenced after 40 years on this planet, so we're going to get into that a little bit. I'm super, super excited to, for you to hear his voice and his story. This podcast has been a real uh, a blessing for me. I think I've wanted to do this for a really long time. And as we wrap up what I'm calling season one, uh, this first seven episodes, it's just an opportunity for me to to kind of spotlight and lift up people who are doing super creative and super like independent things in a way that... These people can just be proud of the ethic behind all these folks has been something that's really been neat to delve into. And Ty Dykema is, is he's a lot of things and, and we want you to listen to um, his story and hear about how his first record was uh, licensed to ill by beastie boys. But like his first memories of music are listening to Slayer with his dad and He's also a big Green Day fan. And like you mix all of that together and get the musical perspective. But like how I got to know Ty first is he reached out to see what the accessibility was like at Bledfest, which was a, a festival that I produced and, and booked and marketed for 12 years, which morphed a lot, but maybe didn't at the same Like if someone from the, the, the outside world that didn't understand what this music community is about and like, you know, punk and hardcore and metal and emo and indie and all these different genres, it may have looked the same to them. Like my mom would stop by every year and like, Oh honey, I'm so proud of you. This is so fun. But it probably looked exactly the same to her. Ty was one of the people that like changed the way that I viewed things like accessibility like um, just trying to purposefully destroy the isms, the racism, sexism, ableism that is unfortunately inherent in kind of everything we do, but it definitely in the music community. And Ty's ability to talk about his experience, um, you know, being in a wheelchair his entire life and, and trying to go to shows and, and showing up to shows where there's stairs you know, and he just can't get in and, and the devastation that comes personally with all of that. But being able to deal with it in a way that's uplifting and humorous and um, empathetic to everyone, you know, whether it's the people like, like look, you know, I go to a, a house show or an independent venue. I'm, I'm understanding of the fact that you can't build me a ramp. But he also encourages those people to be better and say, hey, this is the reality of this venue, so maybe this is not a place where Ty can go see a show, but if you're out there with that, then it then it changes where he can 
make plans to go somewhere else for that night or he can make plans to help them make that place more accessible or more more uh accepting of various cultures it just it was such a cool uh conversation and and i think ty is is a powerhouse human being i use that word a lot but i'm surrounded by people and that's what this this podcast is all about so if you want to get in touch with us uh you can hit us on email here for now pod at gmail.com on social media at here for now pod and on our website here for now podcast.com you can subscribe from any of the places that you listen to podcasts and uh yeah scroll back through these there's there's seven of them they're all really different stories but they're all kind of a similar vibe based here in the midwest they're all face to face and and this is probably my favorite one of the bunch so i'm really excited to give you my interview with ty dykema Hi, Daikuma. Thanks for thanks for being here, but uh, here is in your home. So thanks for allowing yeah. us to come here. Yeah, thank you for coming here and hanging out uh, for a little bit. Uh, Ty is a writer at uh, Bad Copy, which is a I think I described it as a punk rock online zine. Is that a fair? Yeah, that's pretty close to it. I mean, it's a punk and indie music website okay. based out of Chicago. And uh, you're a creator of zines. You are a uh, freelance commission artist. And I threw in, because this is the way I see you, and at least what you've done for me, you're an accessibility advocate. Yeah, that's very fair. By uh, Not only uh, for others, but for yourself. Yeah, definitely. And, it, and it's made a real impact on me. So we've gotten to know each other a little bit over the last what, like year or so, I guess is kind of. Yeah. I think we, I think we first met at Bloodfest last year. Oh, right. Cause I had, I think uh, you reached out and said, Hey, is there right. something you can do to, yeah. And I we, was just uh, like curious about, I had never been to Bloodfest before. So yeah. I was curious about like the accessibility of the whole venue. So yeah, it, it's nice because it was a school yeah. and obviously the, the, the standards of a school, hopefully at least in the modern day, should be relatively accessible. But yeah. when you have 2,000 people crammed into spaces and rooms, we had to make some uh, some things happen, and we were able to do that for you. And yeah, then, uh, it was great. A year later, uh, you got to get up on stage and get your own microphone. So we'll get into I that know. a little later. I'm really excited to, to dig deep. Um, this podcast is something that we're doing to take these uh, these relationships that I have in this business that sometimes are like, you see somebody once every three months or six months, and it's like, yo, homie, how are you, blah, blah, blah. But like, yeah. then in the reality, you don't have any idea who that person is. You know, right. Like, I dig what you do, yeah. but I want to take I dig what you do and take it to a level where I dig who you are. I know well, who you are. Well, thanks, man. I dig what you do, too. <laughs> and uh, so we're going to break down uh, Ty's path uh, creatively here in, in the Grand Rapids area and beyond. Um just kind of get into it. So I always start these podcasts with a question, and it's a very vague question on purpose. Okay. I want you to describe where you are right now. Where I am right now? Yeah. I'm on a journey, man. Dude. <laughs> this might be the best answer yet so far. So you're on a journey. Tell me about that journey. I'm just trying to figure out uh, life, dude. And yeah. that's all tied into my love for music. And with my art, I know that sounds pretty hippy dippy, but it's true. Dude, that rules. Like all of that is connected to all my friends and 
even my family. So yeah, it's just very, I'm very in love with life right now and just on a journey of figuring it out. Hell yeah. So, you know, uh, let's, let's start at the beginning, right? Um, tell me about family life, upbringing. Are you from this area originally? You want to know something crazy? Yeah. I've lived in this house for about 26 of my 29 years. Okay. That's so not crazy. I actually, uh, when I was born, my family lived across the street. Oh, wow. Like literally. literally like right here. Yeah. The blue house across the street. Like we me. could hit it with a rock. Yes. So this is your hood. This is where you're from. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I grew up here and then I actually, me and my family moved out one time and then moved back into this house. Yeah. Which is pretty bizarre. What was family like and like little kid like life like for you? Um, we weren't super well off. Uh, my mom has always worked super hard and I think she instilled that into me and my brother from a very early age. Like we got to go get what we want and what we need. Okay. Um, so you're 29. How old's your brother? My brother's 24. Okay. So younger brother. Yep. Okay. And he doesn't, he he still live here or no? No, he moved out about a year ago, which was like bittersweet. Yeah, because yeah, he's like my best friend. Sure. Is he still local though? Uh, he lives in Wayland. Okay, so localish. Yeah. Yeah. Close enough. Is that was that is that the uh, is that band named after that town that like rock yeah band? yeah are they yeah. still around? I don't know. I feel like they were like Pop Evil Junior like sort of yeah. I, I, that might be offensive to them because uh, they did their own thing and they you know they I've seen them I seen them live once yeah it's not my scene yeah it might have been my I don't know Tyler might disagree with me on the way over here we were listening to like a, a, a grunge rock podcast that was like Alice yeah. in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and stuff so you know Whalen was kind of in that that, yeah, that world of for the, sure. the active rock WGRD represent um, yeah for sure so you've been here mm-hmm tell me about the neighborhood. Tell me about the neighbors. Tell me about who you grew up with, friends, uh, school stuff, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I went to a elementary school that had like like a lot of other disabled kids, okay. which was really cool um, to have that and feel like I wasn't the only one as a little kid, you know? Sure. And then when I went to middle school and high school, I changed... Um, like a regular public school okay which was sort of a shock but was also another it was it was a good adversity you know to kind of yeah they kind of build 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 the thick skin right right for sure yeah so so you so you mentioned other disabled kids we're we're on a podcast so we we can't see you i can see you right do you want to break that down and and like let us in on that, on, on what that means. Yeah, sure. Um, I use a, an electric wheelchair. Yeah. I have a disability called spinal muscular atrophy. And you were born with that. Correct? I was born with that. Okay. Yeah. This has been a lifelong thing. Right. It's very similar to muscular dystrophy. Okay. Uh, which is just a weakening of the muscles in the, in, throughout the body. Okay. Um, so yeah, obviously that, has made me require the use of a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Kind of colors your path a little bit, but yeah. But I don't, you know, that, I think that's the thing that uh, has been so impressive to me about you 
is how you're at least at this point, and maybe we'll get through all of the step, steps to get to this point. But mm-hmm. like you're advocating advocating very strongly, not only for yourself, but like for others. Yeah, and and just the general, and not just when it ha- has to do with accessibility. I mean, you, your ethic goes across the board from destroying uh, all the isms, not just ableism, but oh, for racism sure. and sexism and 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 trans, you know, all that fear stuff, and all that. Yeah, all that stuff is so tied together. Yeah, you know, because um, not that people are categories, but like we fall, people can fall into multiple or all of those. Um, kind of categories, and so we're all fighting the same thing at the end of the day. And like, you know, anti-bigotry. You know, sure. bigotry falls into all of the isms. So right, right. And coming from a place, um, it, it it's very appropriate that I we came to your house here after being at the pyramid scheme. Yeah, uh, with Nicole, because I kind of feel like uh, she she said that you guys had a conversation recently about how I think you either said or it was insinuated that you wanted to become the pyramid schemes, uh, mascot or like, or like the face. And, and she, she just kind of went, well, he already is. (laughs) You just passed your hundredth show that you attended at the pyramid scheme relatively recently. And there were balloons. What show was it? Was that? It was the Menzinger, the Menzinger show, right. Mm -hmm. Which was already an emotional night for me since it was my last night with fusion shows. But, um, Heck yeah, that was a- that was so cool that that kind of fell on the same night. Yeah, you know, it was it is- my hundredth show there, and then right. your last fusion show. Yeah, and and not to mention, it's just a celebration of how great that band is. Yeah, sold out room, the whole thing. It was a, it was a an emotional and and fun night. But um, yeah, I think it's really appropriate that uh, I get to have these conversations in the same day because I think that's the place that you have been able to springboard yourself a little bit into the conversation. Yeah. Not just in Grand Rapids or in like the DIY punk scene here or whatever, but just kind of on, on a little bit bigger platform. Yeah, definitely. It's really cool that they're, they're like my home, you yeah. know, that's what she called it too. It's her the, second home. And yeah, yeah, the, it's that for a lot of people. The it, it's, it's sort of like snowballs a bit. Cause they have given me a place to really be myself and um, do the things that I need to do and advocate in the ways that I want to advocate. Yeah. And in turn, it just helps the scene, you know, we do it together. Yeah. So great. It's funny to just like, like I said, just roll over here after that and just like be in that space, even when it's cold and, there's nothing going on right now. And it's mm-hmm. just like, there's uh Nicole sat. we sat in the green room and Nicole uh, said that she had never sat or at least not for years sat on those benches and just like looked up at the walls and like looked at all the, the scribbles and the signatures and the yeah. stickers and everything. And she's like, this is overwhelming. Like this is nine years of, of my his the history of my life, all these things. And she told me about, you know, sitting, mm-hmm. sitting there with Charles Bradley years ago who passed, you know, recent way too soon. And, um, you know, just like looking up on the wall and amongst all the drawings of dicks and all the things that happen on every mm-hmm. green room wall, it's just these like, oh, that's that person who, you know, is so important to me. And, oh, remember that night? I forgot all about that night. Right. You have a very strong memory. 
I feel like, or maybe you just write everything down, but to, to know, <laughs> to know that it was your hundredth show is kind of a cool mm-hmm. thing that most people don't maybe catalog, I guess. Yeah. Is that part of like what your makeup is, is like that kind of analytical approach of like looking at, uh, such special moments and like being able to say, this is my hundredth this, or this is my 10th this, or yeah, that, does that is, come from? That is really important to me. Um, my dad uh, was huge into music. Um, like went to shows every every week, every weekend, whatever. You know, like, even as I was growing up, he was going to shows. Yeah, and he would like keep all of his ticket stubs. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. So it was just always ingrained in me that like I was going to do that same thing. Okay. So cool. like when I started going to shows when I was like fourteen, I kept like all my ticket stubs. Yeah. And then, you know, I... And then Will Call became a thing. Will <laughs> Call became a thing. And so I started logging it digitally. Yeah. You know, so sure. I do have a log of basically every show I've ever been to. I did until I got into this business and then I kind of like lost track of it. And I can try yeah. to piece it together now, but it's it, once it's incomplete, it almost loses its meaning to a certain degree to me yeah. personally. Um but I've got an old list and I've also got a little book full of ticket stubs. And, mm-hmm. and, and at first it was complete, you know, even the nights where there was no ticket or I paid at the door or whatever, I'd ask him, you guys have an extra ticket stub that I can grab on the way out or something. Right. And then it was kind of like after like three or four of them, they're like, sorry, we don't. Or somebody was just a jerk. I'm like, oh, we can't give that to you. It's like, mm-hmm. I kind of stopped and I wish that I hadn't, you know, yeah. cause I've, I didn't, I didn't realize when I was going to concerts in my younger days, that it would become my career. This was yeah. not supposed to be what I did. You know, I was going right. to be an architect or civil engineer and build bridges and shit. And um, now I wish I had that, like, that, like, this is every show that I've ever been to because mm-hmm. there's just so many memories, right? Right. So that's what was popping up with Nicole is like she's looking at the wall going, wow, I forgot all about that because you get caught up in the moment. Exactly. You know? So um, I think writing it down or keeping all your stubs that like you said I have a good memory but I think like writing it down or keeping track it it helps your memory as well. It immortalizes it to yeah, a certain degree. Cuz like, yeah. as soon as you write it down even just a little bit you know you can look back on it being like oh I remember the thing that happened that night or, yeah. you know I remember that band that was sick. Yeah. So your dad uh you said he went to shows. Yeah. What was like what was music like in in young Ty Ty's life? What kind of what what's your earliest m- memories of music? Uh my dad was super into like thrash metal. Oh, okay. Yeah, and like death metal and stuff like that. Okay. And then my mom was more into uh like grunge and like indie rock kind of stuff. Okay. Even just like you know, radio rock, like Matchbox 20 kind of stuff. Sure. And uh, so I always like both, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I like, I think the, the contrast there mm-hmm. helped me really like just all kinds of music because it's like, I see the merit in this and I see the merit in that. It's funny as I, as I've moved from, you know, I grew up in Heartland, mm-hmm. still live in Heartland. It's a very conservative, very non-diverse community. Everybody's got a similar story, I feel like. Not everybody, but um, 
as I've as I've spent time in this business over the last fifteen years, it makes me chuckle a little bit to think that like a six year old kid has, is like listening to death metal with yeah. their dad. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, like I, I'm like my mom was into Pink Floyd and my dad was into Foreigner and and Stevie yeah. Ray Vaughan. You know, and it's like that's kind of like every person's story in Heartland. Or you get the you know the pop stuff, the Matchbox Twenties, and then yeah. stuff like that. And then and then even like Nicole was like big into Tina Turner and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. you're like, okay, that's the prototypical, but like the idea of like six year old you, like kind of experiencing death metal for the first time gives me like a smile on my face. And I don't know. Yeah. I that's my first experience with music is like Slayer. <laughs> that fucking rules so hard. <laughs> and then my, that makes you so much more punk rock than you already like are. Oh, it's so cool. Oh, my mom's pretty punk rock too. Cause yeah. uh, my mom got me into green day. Okay. Like she bought me the Dookie CD. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I started collecting tapes recently and I'm looking for that one still. Like I've yeah. got a bunch of the Alice in Chains and Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots and Nirvana mm-hmm. stuff, but like I'm still trying to find that Green Day record and a yeah. couple of like the hip hop ones that I got into early. Mm-hmm. Do you get into any hip hop in the same like uh, time or, or, or maybe here, better question. Mm-hmm. Um, Mom's mom's got this. Dad's got this. When you start buying your own music, what are you buying? Uh, so the first CD I ever bought was "Licensed to Ill by Beastie Boys. Okay, uh, you're getting cooler by the second. <laughs> this is great. Thank you. What uh, else? You know, once I started developing my own taste in music, I did gravitate more to like the the pop punk kind of stuff. Uh, just as I got into middle school and high school, and like. What do the other pop punk kids listen to? You sure. know, it was like Blink-182 and Newfound Glory and stuff like that. Okay. But then I also had like super just punk rock friends yeah. rather than pop punk friends. So it was, uh, I got really into like Pixies and Operation Ivy. Nice. And then even, um, I don't know if this is fast forwarding too much, but like once I got into like junior, senior year of high school. Yeah. Yeah, that's when I started getting into like the local scene. Okay. And no, there's no fast forward that too much. This is a podcast. We can do it. Yeah. There are no rules. So naturally when I was getting into the local scene, it was, I was going to this venue called Skeletons. Yep. Like legendary DIY venue. Yep. In VR. yep. And, uh, the bands that stuck out to me were like offbeats, attention span as well. Yeah. I remember the offbeats. Pretty hardcore punk bands. Or... What's the dude's name? So the one of the guys in the offbeats mm-hmm. grew up in Owasso, actually. Oh yeah. Ah uh, shit. Was there a Phil? No. Shit. It doesn't really matter that much, but <laughs> but just to go back to what we said before we before we pressed record about Owasso, um, yeah, he he like. He was the punk dude in town. There was a couple of them, and he moved to Grand Rapids and started the Offbeats. Yeah. I haven't heard that name in a long time, so that just kind of like flashed me back to what we were just talking about. Oh, man, those albums hold up so well, Yeah, too. yeah. Isn't it wild? So music has changed so much, but like yeah. that era, like that early 2000s era where like local bands were just starting to like put out, they weren't starting to, but it was like, it became a little bit easier to put out a record yeah. that stood up that, that kind of like had a similar production quality to like what you'd hear on the radio. Right. You know, it wasn't like, there wasn't as clear a line between like, Oh, obviously a local band did that. And like 
a national sign band did this. Mm -hmm. There are some records from that era all the way across the board, no matter what genre or it was like. Uh, that should have been huge yeah. all by itself. Yeah. And the only reason it wasn't was just like accessibility to the, the tastemakers of the world or whatever. Right. But like that would have played on the radio or that would have, you know, mm -hmm. that band should have been on Warp Tour, you know, early versions of it or whatever. For sure. So Offbeats were one of those bands for yeah, sure. Yeah. I remember, uh, yeah, I just remember that was kind of when I started dipping into music. I, I grew up. I didn't go to my first show until I was 18 years old. Okay. I didn't go to concerts when I was a kid. My parents never took me. My dad, my parents were both super like big into music. My dad played guitar. My brother learned how to play guitar. I couldn't do it. Yeah. But it wasn't until I had my own driver's license and could just drive myself anywhere that like that ever became apparent. So there was no local music scene for me. I mean, I didn't, yeah. there wasn't one. I created one when I started the Livingston Underground in 2004 when I was 25 years old. That's when I started booking shows. Yeah. Um, but I love hearing cause at that time, that's when Skeletones was starting to really hit Flint local mm -hmm. 432 was a fantastic thing up in Flint. And that was my first foray into local music was like visiting those spaces to try to figure out what I was doing in hall shows in, in Howell and Brighton. Yeah. And Murph was a legend, you know, yeah. like what he was doing there at that time was, was next level. Yeah. They just did, um, a like 10 year anniversary show kind of thing. Yep. Um, at the intersection. Yeah. Uh, and Murph was there. That was really cool. And he like got up in front and talked to everybody. Did his thing where he got on the microphone and kind yep. of talked to everybody, like held church, so to speak. Yeah. Um, how's he doing? Where's he? Do you know? Did you, did you get a chance to talk to him directly? No, I didn't. Did you ever really know him when you were there? Or was um, it just like the guy that was behind the scenes that you knew was in charge but never really had a relationship with? <laughs> no, I was like way too shy. So like okay. I never knew him like that. Yeah. It was like, oh, that's Murph. Right. Yeah. In reverence kind of thing. Do you know yeah. where he's living these days? I know he, had, when, when Skeletons went away, he, he had like moved. Right, he, he did move. Down. Yeah. I forget where though. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember either. Yeah. But that's really cool that he came back for it. Mm -hmm. Um. Who was on that? Was it was K-Line? Did they do a reunion? Yeah, K-Line played, which is awesome because they were like one of the first local bands that they were yeah, like too. That fits right into that pop punk like yeah. Newfound Glory thing, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They were like, yeah, they were the local version of that for me. And then Sky's Revolt did a set, right? Sky's Revolt did. Um, Still Remains headlined. Oh, right. And Tall Ships? Tall Ships. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how I remember that. That's weird. Yeah, but. tall ships. Well, that's the thing too. Is like as much as I was into, like the pop punk stuff. My my uh, cousin, he has always like uh, been more followed in my my dad and his and his dad's like the kind of metal, metal kind of right. stuff. Yeah, and he played in like metal and hardcore bands. So yeah. I would also like go to some of those shows and be into that kind of stuff. Sure. So. You got enough yeah. black t-shirts to hang in metal. You're doing, oh, yeah. I, I mean, if Slayer's one of your earliest memories, dude, fine. <laughs> you're, you're, you're fine. Um, so this is your home. This mm -hmm. Grand Rapids area yeah. is like, been it. What are your feelings on this city? Uh, I love this city. I've, I've watched it grow. I think in a lot of ways it's growing positively. I think there are, with any city, there are negative aspects. Sure. Um, but I think people work hard here, I, like, especially as it goes in the music scene. Yeah. 
I think people like want to do the right thing and like make it better and you know right always the intentions looking, are, are good generally yeah I think yeah. the intentions are really good and yeah. people are always looking forward you know yeah uh with that said I wish like I wish it was easier to maintain an all ages space you know, like yeah. pyramid makes it like, you know, what has been really gracious with me yeah. over the years to like, allow me to do all ages, but they yeah. don't really want to like, like they well, want it's to, hard. It's, hard it's hard for, right? a, for yeah. a business like that right. to do that. Yeah. And because they're, they're every, taking a risk. I mean, they're taking a real risk every time they do it. Yeah. And I mean, cause the thing is like so many people just when they go to shows, they also want to drink. Yeah. And so, if this is all ages and they don't allow drinking, then people might just go to the one next door that does. You know? Right, right. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens as they continue to, like, build out the DAC again. I was, was going to say the DAC is, you know, that's going to be, I think it's going to be a really good thing yeah. for them to bring that back. It always was, no matter what space they're in or whatever. And, right. you know, there was Skeletones, there was uh, the various mixtape. Mixtape and then yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to find that mixtape. What's that? Yeah, I don't want to find. Yeah, it. yeah. I saw uh, Jr. reached out um, when I bopped over to Audio Tree from Fusion and just kind of sent me a note to say hi and cool. Still making his uh, vegan cookies or whatever treats. All his uh, <laughs> he, he was very hardcore vegan. I remember Jr. Uh, yelling at uh, William Beckett from. The Academy is, mm-hmm. which was one of the biggest shows that ever played that room. Yeah. And he was eating a sandwich upstairs. The stage was downstairs. Mm-hmm. He was eating a sandwich upstairs in like the little area that we used as the green room. And he like lit into William Beckett and his girlfriend, like, this is a meat free uh, venue. Can't you see on the wall? No way. But like he was passionate about it, you know, and yeah. he still is to this day. So, you know, it, he, he, he took a lot of criticism for, you know, but he he had, he was a dreamer, man, and just had the guts to to mm-hmm. do something and to follow up Murph, you know, after ten years of that to buy that space and still continue to go. I had some great nights in that room too. Yeah, especially the first one. Once it moved over, like to the north side of town, mm-hmm. had some cool nights there too. But I really, you know, we booked Copeland and May and all kinds of cool stuff. Title fight and balancing. Composure. I was at that one. Yeah, yeah, that um, was a cool show. Yeah, so that was, I'm trying to think. There was a couple different packages that came through, but was that one, that was Title Fight? Balance and Composure. Was Make Do on that one too? Make Do and Mend, maybe? No? And then there was that Louder Than Bombs band. Man Overboard maybe was on it? I don't know. Man Overboard didn't play that. No? Okay. But Louder Than Bombs, I think they did. Yeah. There There was like a third touring band, I don't remember who it was, but like, dude, yeah. There it was, wasn't such gold, was it? I've seen them there too. Mixtapes? I don't know. I I have record of it somewhere, so (laughs) we'll look it up later. But uh, yeah, that's another thing. Like for a venue that's just gone now, like some of those memories are just on a spreadsheet somewhere, you know? And I don't even think, like, oh, yeah, there was a whole four year period where I put, you know, 50 shows a year in mixtape and I forget about that era entirely. Yeah. I'm getting fucking old, man. I can tell you what. Um, do you think you're going to live in Grand Rapids forever? I don't know, man. These winters are tough. Yeah, I bet. I, I, I mean, they're they're tough where we're from, two hours east, but you get, like, the the snow off the lake and everything. Yeah. And, 
Yeah, I can't imagine. Like, it's hard to imagine not being here, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, all my family is, like... Here. It's, yeah, it's either, like, literally right here or within, you know, a half hour. Is your, like, extended family pretty close? Do you guys get together a lot? And Yeah, I don't really have a big family, so, like, we're all really tight. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Actually, when you, when you, when you pulled up that, uh, girl that came in with you, that was actually my cousin. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny cause we were walking up and I wasn't sure whether to go front door or back door. So I'm like, I'm going to go back and, uh, check out the, the ramp on the way up. And, uh, um, she was walking up right behind us and she's just like, hi. And I'm like, yeah. obviously she either knows that we're coming or, and, and yeah. lives here, like is a sister or something, or she like, uh, is just like a friend that's stopping, you know, just coming over. And, and I would imagine that <laughs> a lot of your friends are in and out of here quite a bit. Yeah. Cause family. it's like great exactly. right in proximity. i like, yeah, that's the other thing too, about living literally in this house for so long. It's like the perfect location for me. Cause it's just outside of downtown. Yeah. Where I'm like everything I want to go to is, you know, it's a yeah, it's a ten minute bus ride to everything. It's like a hub. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Very cool. So, what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like, what what gets what gets Ty pumped besides music? Besides music, yeah. Um, well, I have a lot of art to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't even we haven't even crossed that bridge yet, which we're gonna yeah. get to. But I've got a lot of art to make. What do you do? What 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 kind of art? Uh, make art of a couple of different varieties. I do like stylized portraits of people. Yeah. Um, that make great gifts. We were talking so, about um Jake from Gray Matter. <laughs> yeah. And his partner Haley, who is a photographer and, a, and a, somebody that actually grew up in our neighborhood. Well, in our neighborhood, Tyler's our mm-hmm. producer. I'm pointing at him as if you can see him, but uh, Haley helped out at shows in Howell for a long time, mm-hmm. and it was really cool when those two found each other. And I've seen the portrait that you did for the two of them, and it couldn't be more perfect. It's literally <laughs> a perfect representation of their relationship, their eccentricity, mm-hmm. their sweetness. They're just the sweetest human beings. So yeah, you was, captured that absolutely perfectly. I was really happy to do that one. Yeah. And, like, when I got to give it to Jake in person, like, man, that was great. That yeah. was so fun. So you do that kind of stuff, and then what you said you there was two different yeah, things. I do like, I mean, I do like kind of pop art, cartoony kind of stuff as well. Sure. Um, you know, and then uh, there's like a mixture of both. You know that I do for for I do work with like a lot of bands with their album art or their merch designs, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, How about all those tattoos? You got a lot of kick-ass tattoos there. Did you draw I, draw any of those? I I didn't draw any of my own. Okay. I like to get other people's art on me. You know. Do you have your art on other people? Yeah. Have you done some tattoo design? Yeah. Tattoos is such a I don't know. I guess it never clicked with me for myself, mm-hmm. but I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. Because it's such a it's a it's a powerful and very permanent thing. It's like a statement. For sure. And you've got a lot of statements. <laughs> I, I literally counted like a couple of days ago. Yeah. It's weird to say that I had to count, but I have, sure. I have 10 now. Okay. But so. we're not talking like 
obviously we can't see, but like we're not no. talking like ten little things. Like, no, like one, like one entire leg is one, and yeah, yeah. So you you're you're pretty well covered. Yeah, not quite on the face tattoo uh, tip yet, but not uh, yet. That one's a real statement. <laughs> <It's>, yeah, uh, <laughs> my friend Drew in Detroit had his entire he he's bald. Or he shaves his. I, I think he. Yeah, I think he's making the decision to shave his head, but mm-hmm. uh, it looks good on him. And then he tattooed his entire head, That's not his badass. face. He hasn't gotten it into his face yet, and he wears a beanie most of the time. When he takes the beanie off, it's like this. Holy shit! And it's all so impressive. It's all so mm-hmm. cool. And he he's a he's an advocate in and of himself. Um, he has a friend who um, has a disability as well mm-hmm. and some sort of disease and his, his kidneys were, were failing him and Drew okay. gave him one of his kidneys. He ended up being a match and like wow. shared his kidney with Marty and Marty has, um, the word scissor is involved, but it, you know, his legs are kind of crossed. Mm-hmm. I don't a hundred, I don't remember what it's called, but it's a, it's a pretty rare disease mm-hmm. and you know, he can kind of, he can walk with a walker and everything, but his kidneys had let him down and drew just stepped right in and was like, am I a match? And they found out he was, and he's like, cut me open. Like get the, let's do this right now. That's awesome. So he's like, he's the type of dude that like, I want to sit down with him and like point at each tattoo. I want, I want, tell me that story. Yeah. You know, cause he's got this just incredibly wild. Yeah. I don't know. Very impressive, but I've never gotten one and I, I don't know. Maybe I won't. Maybe I, I don't think I will. Maybe I just want to talk sure? about it. I don't know because I'm the type of dude that like gets addicted to things. Mm-hmm. Booking is an addiction. Mm-hmm. Like I have to keep a calendar this full or I'm like not feeling it. You know, right? So I would be the guy that like drops five thousand dollars a year on tattoos, and I don't really <laughs> explaining that to my wife, who doesn't really. She thinks tattoos are silly or whatever. You know, yeah. At least for us, you know, for other people, she's like, "That's really cool." But yeah, yeah, you got some dope tattoos. For Thanks, sure. man. Um, so we've kind of identified what gets you out of bed: your art, music, your yep. family, your friends. Yeah. What slows you down? Uh, besides the literal, <laughs> you know, I mean, that can be part of it, but what else, what else like? And do you, do you mean in a sideway or in like a slow down? Let me relax. No. Yeah. No, I think I more mean like what, what holds you back from being able to, uh, uh, make moves to, to dream what, uh, yeah. Like we, we've identified what the, what the highs are. Yeah. What are some of the lows? Um, Knowing that other people are struggling in pain. Yeah. Uh, you know. Is that, is that kind of like amplified because you've had your struggles? Like you you can Probably. be more, uh, accept, not accepting, but like uh, more empathetic. I think so. Because you've had your own. I think a lot of people feel that way you know like anyone that's been through a lot yeah you know like physical emotional mental whatever yeah yeah like you're gonna sort of like relate when you know that someone else is really hurting yeah so what at what point you know i think you're you're 29 you said yeah i feel like it right around that age you know they, they call you adult when you're 18 or 21, depending on what your, your classification is. But yeah. like, I don't remember feeling like an adult until I was about your age. Like I'm yeah. feeling a, like to the point where I could flip it from like worrying about me all the time to mm-hmm. like paying it forward. 
Because mm-hmm. that's the vibe I get from you is you're, you know, I called you an advocate for accessibility and you didn't put that on your like questionnaire that I sent you to kind of like get this started. But like, that's how I see you. I see yeah. you as somebody who's not only speaking for yourself, but you're speaking for others. At what point did you start to think about others and maybe not at always? Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Probably when my, well, to be honest, my when my dad passed away. Yeah. I was 23. Okay. Contrary to what you said, I did feel like an adult before that. And then it hit me like, sure, I'm not. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So when did you start feeling like an adult? Uh, probably only a couple of years ago, man. Like after going through all the stuff with my dad. Sure. And uh, just my disability taking a further toll. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then my brother moving out and all of that kind of stuff. It just sort of culminated like... Oh man, I've really been, I've done, a, I've been through a lot and I've done a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. So I get to like gr- level up. So right. To speak. Right. And I think I've sort of taken all of those experiences and I think something I take a lot of pride in is like taking those experiences and like turning it into something positive, you know, sure. or like a, a way I've been able to learn and try to help other people through yeah either similar stuff or relate it to some of the stuff I've been through and done. Yeah. Or even make it light. I mean, you, you, uh, you had a little run there and and you, you, you're funny on Twitter while you're working your way through stuff. You know, some of the things like going to the bathroom by yourself and and being out there about it. Like, look, this is the thing that I've got to deal with and why should I be ashamed of it? Exactly. And if you've got something similar that you would like figure is taboo in your life, like, Don't be ashamed of this shit. Like, we're all people and we all do this shit. Let's talk about it. Let's be out with it, you know? Like, let's worry about the real things that we need to worry about and not, like, create new things to have to be concerned about all the time. Exactly. And you do it in such a graceful and, like, uh, we're all like, should we laugh? I'm not sure because he's trying to make (laughs) us laugh. But, like, is it funny? (laughs) But, like, you're owning it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really powerful. I think... uh, well, humor helps a lot, you know, like, and then when people respond to that humor, it's like, okay, it's reassuring. Like, it's validating. Yeah. Like, I love that word validation. I love validation too, but I love the word. Right, don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, so I, I guess some people don't, but yeah. When, it, when the response is good. Yeah. And it goes maybe semi- Viral amongst your friend group or something yeah. or whatever, you know. Yeah, for sure. Or the opposite where they don't click like because they're uncomfortable and you're like, yes, I did my job. Exactly. Like ain't nobody replying to this. Nobody's liking it. No retweets. Hey. But like I know that everybody saw it and, and you can almost like infer more from that than when it does go like. Yep. Yeah. We can we can grow a little bit by being uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. Oh, you know? dude. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's the thing that like through all of this has inspired me to, to push my boundaries a little bit more. I'm 40. Like I should be done learning. Right. You, you think, no, what I mean by that is like when you're, when you're 18 and you're invincible, 
mm-hmm. you think you look at people that are 40 and like they should have rounded off and like they should yeah. know everything they need to know now and it's like bullshit man i'm learning every single day i screw For up sure. every day i screw up all the time and like to really dig into like accessibility issues in music mm-hmm. and you know uh, a lot of sweet and touche amore had the the lead diy signs up and had a real uh low what do you call that low impact lighting yeah uh not a lot of flashing lights because they they don't want to set off a seizure or anything like that but they're very forward about it because if they just do it it doesn't have any value you have to say this is a safe place for you to come and watch this show right because we're not flashing lights we're not doing any of those kind of things that might cause you to not be able to come or to hurt yourself if you do come yeah and I think all that kind of stuff, you just, we need to be saying it right now, you know, say it enough until it doesn't have to be said anymore. It's just totally normalized. Right. And know? I think there's a, there's a good core group of people, depending on what topic you're talking about, because you're, you're going to be passionate about certain things and maybe not as knowledgeable about other things, but I know Rolando um, mm-hmm. and Tino from Pancho Villa Skull. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Jack from Mover Shaker. I know, you know, there's just a lot of people in these, like, um, that are focused on a particular thing, but then you all come together and you just create this place that's just better for everybody else. You know, right. it's like, okay, you've created, you know, you've created a place where, like, uh, LGBT not only feels welcome, but feels like represented on stage and off, you know, racism isn't welcome, but not only is it racism, not welcome, but we've, uh, you know, the pyramid scheme is a great example of purposefully like making sure that the, the programming is diverse, that the people on stage are representative of a diverse community. Exactly. Yeah. But then also like, let's be accessible. Let's be, um, environmentally sound and all of it just fits together. Yeah. Like getting involved with that, and being a voice that's part of that, what has that done for you personally? It's, well, I mean, first of all, it's very validating. Yeah, right. Yeah, just as a, not as a, look what I did, but like a, it makes me feel welcome. Yeah. You know, and like we're, we're doing that for ourselves and we're doing it for the community. And it's just a beautiful thing to like look out at a crowd, you know, that we helped rally together and right. it is a diverse crowd and it yeah. is a, a safer crowd you know it's a really it's a really cool thing um one of the places where we on my side put a lot of that energy was Bledfest, which is where mm-hmm. we first met we identified that we first met in 2018 at mm-hmm. Bloodfest. um you reached out via email and just said hey you know just wondering uh can i get around yeah. What are what? What's it like? What's the what's the whole thing like? And I think at that point we were eleven years in, you know, mm-hmm. and we had really in the last year, three four years, really refined our stance on all of that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. And I don't think we would have ever been nastier in reply, like "Don't worry about it, just be here." You know, right. it was never that, but it was always let's be more intentional about answering these questions in a way that uh, not only like protects our image or whatever and checks the box that like, Oh, they're, they're doing this, but also right. like legitimately opens the door to a relationship. Like when you get there, ask for me, I would be happy to walk you around. I'm happy to show you yeah. what is it that you're looking for? What are the, what are the needs that you have? Um, 
And we, again, you know, in a community like Heartland where there's not a lot of diversity, there's not a lot of that kind of thing. There is a pushback, you know, to Mm -hmm. like the, you know, when, when you're trying to make decisions on the talent and you've got 450 white dude bands, pop punk bands, and just a couple submissions of, of folks that are, you know, representative of anything other than that. Yeah. And you choose all of them because you want your lineup to be diverse. And then somewhere there was a white kid pop punk band. That's like, you left me off and we were deserving. You right. know, what did you think of the first time you went to blood fest? Um, well, I had a blast. Like, right. Was, first of all, it was super fun. And, uh, it was super accessible. And that made me feel really good, too, because that was my, to be honest with you, I haven't had really transportation to go far from home. Um, and that is far from home to, yeah, to me after two, being two, here. Two for, and a half hour drive. I'm about uh, to do it in about a half hour here. We're going to leave and do that exact yeah. drive because I live across the street. So, um, yeah, like that was my first festival yeah. I'd ever gone to. And so that sort of set the standard for me, uh, like, as far I'm like, oh wow, this it is a diverse festival and it yeah. is an accessible one. Um Did you feel in, in uh was that one of the first times that you reached out to an event to ask? No, no. I've done that. So you've been doing that for years. Uh, yeah. Good. It was the first one of the first like local shows I tried to go to. I got there and it was down a flight of stairs. It was in a basement, sure. which I had I had no idea. I just yeah. knew the address and knew to show up. Yeah. And I got there. To get and was, there and be like, you can't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, uh, it's changed my conversations with you. And, and there's been other folks as well. You're not the only one that I'm talking mm-hmm. to about this kind of stuff, but, um, it changes the way I view things. I was at St. Andrew's Hall the other night. Mm-hmm. There's no, their, their solution is to carry you upstairs, right. which doesn't That's, work for you. It's not no. safe and it's not. And I was at the Metro in Chicago, and I didn't see a way to get there. There may have been. Okay. Um, I talked to John on the podcast the other day, and he runs shows at Subterranean mm-hmm. in Chicago, which is a small club, and they have no, the the, show, the, club, right. the shows are upstairs. That's when I've called before. And right, asked. right, yeah. and and you know, so it changes the way that I. Um, approach things in the intentionality of like making that information available. Cause that's really mm-hmm. all you're asking. You yeah. would love, to, you would love obviously for, for every venue to like build an elevator and make it so that you could go. But that's right. the reality is, especially when you talk about DIY and basement shows and things like that, like yep. the reality is sometimes there's just going to be stairs. Right. Right. And that's not a place where you can be, you're not going to be able to get in. And we're, you know, we, I don't know if we ever offered to like, well, we could pick you up and, or, I don't think so. But I'm sure that's been presented to you before. Like, oh, yeah, uh, our, oh, our, yeah. Our solution is to carry you down the stairs. And it's like, well, no, this is not a thing where that's, that's, it's not good for the chair. It's not good for you. It's not safe. It's right. all the above. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Bloodfest 2019, you reached out, I believe, during the booking period. Yeah. And just said, hey, I want to do this thing. Right. What was the thing that you wanted to do? Tell me about it. I uh, tell everyone else about it because I know about <laughs> it. I was the one that answered the email, but I um I proposed the idea that if you were going to do either some sort of panel, because I thought you did panels before. We did one year. Okay, yeah. so I I thought like if you were going to do that again, I'd love to be a part of one. Yeah. 
or I would just do a 15 minute talk uh, um, in front of the crowd on whatever stage or floor you wanted to have me on. Yeah. Cause that's something I had done. Um, I started in uh, the summer of 2018. Yeah. Um, just giving talks about different issues, mainly accessibility. Yeah. Um, at, you know, opening for shows I've, I've done that a couple of times. So I thought, and what did you call that? I, what was it called? I called it sketch and speaks, which yeah. is, uh, I just named it after the zine that I've written and illustrated. Yeah. So. And what is Skitchin for people that don't know? Okay. Skitchin is uh, a lot of things, but it's primarily a uh, DIY print zine that I write, illustrate, and distribute. Right. Yeah. There was a, did you, did you know there was a Sega Genesis game back in the day called Skitchin? That's and what I named it Skitch, after. Skitchin is a skateboarding term, right? Yeah. Where you hold onto a vehicle. Yeah. Skating, incredibly dangerous. Skating sure. and hitching. Right. Kind of combined. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I named it after the game. Right. Oh, specifically. Well, there you go. It was one of, it was a fun game. Yeah. It was, it was uh, it, it was one of those games that made me think like I could do that you know mm-hmm. dangerous you know like everybody talks about video games being the downfall of society and you right. know, like call of duty kind of shit but like that was the video game that i probably was like the most dangerous thing for me to see is like oh i could get my skateboard out and then like mm-hmm. go grab onto a car right i never did but I wanted, well my I friends to. my friends when i was a kid would sketch my chair oh which is okay. super badass okay yeah yeah yeah. all right all right so okay <laughs> That rules. Yeah. So tell me about that moment or that, that it went really well. Oh, it was man. so good, man. Dude, my, my talk at Bloodfest is like one of the best 15 minutes of my life. It was so great. It was um, in between shortly set and Aaron West and the Roaring Twenties. Yeah. Which I love both of those bands. Right. Especially Aaron West. I, yeah. Wonder Years was a band I is a band I really really love and yeah. then obviously love. Soupy's just a powerful human being. Yeah, he just got such a co- cool vibe to him. Yeah, and like getting to talk to him and have him like him say specifically like thank you for sharing a set with me like yeah. that's how he presented it is like we were sharing a set. Yeah, that was really really cool. And then like. I didn't know what to expect from the crowd, uh, like who, how many people would be in Stick that room for me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like every, I, I was like expecting the room to like empty out mm-hmm. after shortly, and which is the same thing that every local band goes through, or, or every band really. Right. They all have this expectation that like, oh, it's been great all day, but like I'm gonna be the low point of the day. Yeah, I remember mm-hmm. uh, specifically telling like a bunch of my friends. I was like, I need you guys to like be there up front, <laughs> show like, up. Show just up. in case, like, yeah. in case that's all there is. I need someone to be there. And like, I remember us waiting side stage uh, during shortly set, and it must have been like, I think it was probably like nine or ten of us sitting side stage together, and yeah. they're just like rubbing my shoulders and stuff, I'm like, sure. dude, look at this crowd, and I'm like. I hope they stick around. I hope they stick around. <laughs> and they all did. Like, there wasn't even room at front of the stage for yeah. my friends to be. So they all, like, 
came out on stage with me, if you yeah, remember dude. that. You packed it out, man. You had, a little, you, had a little, you had a little half circle in front of you on the stage. Yeah, and... it was a campfire set. Yeah, it was cool. It was, it was really, really cool. cool. And I think that was, you know... Uh... And people's response, like, the whole the room, the whole room, like, people I didn't even know, like, it really resonated. Yeah. And, like, that was pretty early in the day. I think it was, like... Midday, like 4 o'clock-ish. Something like yeah. that. Yep. Like after that, people I didn't I didn't know were coming up to me throughout the rest of the day. I'm, sure, I'm just going to watch other bands play and yeah. developed he, a little bit of a celebrity. That was so cool, and yeah. like I've kept in touch with a lot of those people. Even yeah. it's pretty neat. Bled Bled was special in that way. There were so many people that came in every year from just the craziest long drives mm-hmm. to come hang out, and it was like, wait, what? You do this every? You come to Heartland? The place where I, so that room that you were in was yeah. the cafeteria where I ate lunch as a high school kid. That's and my wild. principal would stand right where you were at and just like read the announcements for the day, you know, like after school today, there's an ice cream social and, you know, um, maybe not ice cream socials in <laughs> high school, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so as that thing developed over the 12 years we did it, it just got more and more special and it got more and more of that like return like people were bloodfest homies, you know, right. they may have only seen each other once a year at the end, but it was like, um, you know, I'm so happy that it happened for you the way that it did or that you got to be involved, but I almost wish it would have stuck around for another five years. So you could like continue that momentum in that yeah. specific space. And I believe that you're continuing that momentum in other things that you do. I think, you know, the pyramid scheme has been a great opportunity for you to, to build a, group of people that follow you on the internet and kind of engage with some of the, the, the um, ethics discussions that you have and things right. like that. And I think Bloodfest was another step, but I almost wish it was there another five years just for you to see where that could go, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of, of picking up chairs, uh, during Wonder Your set this year, uh, there was a wheelchair user yeah. that crowd surfed multiple times, I think. And it was the most terrifying fucking thing mm-hmm. for me to look up. And also like this, this like amazing moment, you know? Oh yeah. Um, which that there were like three or four photographers at a, at a Instagram video clip that all mm-hmm. got captured. And it was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, I met him before that, uh, crowd surfing moment. Sure. Cause he was also side stage waiting for Aaron Rush in the uh, Roaring Twenties. Oh, cool. And so, like, when I went out to do my talk, he was one of the people that ended up coming out on stage with me just cool. to, like... What was know, his name? Sean. I, I don't think I ever caught it. Okay. Sean. Is there a, is there a camaraderie? Um, my dad used to ride... Well, he still does. He rides motorcycles. And mm-hmm. they always, like, do the wave as they would drive by each other. On the yeah. Road. Like, is there a special camaraderie that kind of naturally comes? Absolutely. For someone? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's an instant bond that, you know, other people won't, they they can't understand it. Sure, yeah. You know what I mean? At least fully. Yeah. So it is an instant connection kind of thing, you know. Yeah. Do you have a do you have a lot of friends that you like frequently hang out with now that are in in wheelchairs and and yeah yeah I have uh, at least a a couple that I'm able to hang out with sure and then I have a lot more that I've met through the internet okay uh that 
live all over the place. Yeah. He, you know, he, he became a little bit of like a celebrity there for a minute. Yeah. For, uh, that, I mean, a couple of those photos like got, that was the most retweeted, most liked, like most everything thing that happened in this last year of Bloodfest besides I the fact it. that it was just like ending, you know? Yeah, I um, believe it. <laughs> that and my stage dive was up there a little bit too. I'm still yeah. recovering from that. I smashed head to head with this guy. <laughs> he, it, But it, here's the thing with Bloodfest. Um, it's good to be able to talk about it again. It's been so long since I've even thought about it, but... Um, we, uh, I did that stage dive. Soupy saw me and he's like, you need to do this. Like Bloodfest can't end until Nate stage dives. Uh-huh. And I'm a 200 pound missile. Like I just <laughs> literally destroyed a kid's head and like my head, his head came together. And here's how special Bloodfest was. The guy somehow knew of me or who I was, mm-hmm. found me on Twitter and apologized that he didn't catch me, even though I just destroyed his body. <laughs> like I, I could have killed him. You know? Yeah. And he's like, I'm sorry. That was so cool, man. I'm sorry I didn't catch you. And I'm like, dude, I can't even like see straight right now. I hit my head so hard on you. So that must have hurt you even worse. Yeah. Being on the receiving end of that. And he was just so sweet to be like, I'm sorry I didn't catch you. That's classic. I'm going to miss this shit, man. I'm going to miss this shit hard. Classic Bloodfest. It is. And we're going to, you know, Bloodfest is gone forever, but we're going to find something to replace that at some point down the road. There's awesome. There's conversations there. I'm gonna I'm gonna fire some stuff at you here real okay. quick. Um, just some questions that I have. One musical artist that you really believe in right now? Oh man, just one. Just kidding. Yeah, one specific. Uh, I mean, you kind of fed me one in in the the questionnaire that uh, culture abuse that I thought. Oh yeah, I love culture abuse. Uh, they're like a really important band to me. At least Dave, uh, the vocalist, because. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't want to like speak his story for him, but he has uh, cerebral palsy, so yeah. he has a disability yeah. uh, that you know is at least tied to my own. Uh, yeah. So I actually saw his his old band. Uh, they're a hardcore band called All Teeth, also from Bay Area. I didn't know that that band. I don't know much about that band, but I didn't know that the two were tied together. That yeah. Was similar. Okay. Same vocalist. Okay. Yeah. And I saw them at the back like, yeah. in 2010. Yeah. And I had loved that band. I had no <clears throat> idea what they looked like or that Dave had uh, any disability or anything like that. Yeah. I just went and caught them live and um, just having known other friends with CP, uh, I could tell that he had it and yeah. it was like oh my god like he's in this band that i love yeah there's other people with disabilities like it's in the music fucking scene holding them back yeah so tight so i'm like it was they're like you know one of the bands that really made me think like oh there's like a, a real place for me cool Very um cool. but can I give another band? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to like answer your question for you. I just yeah. thought that was, I put that in as like a little subtext there. But I, yeah, I absolutely want to hear uh, what um, you're into. The band Pity Party. Okay, yeah. From Oakland. Yeah. They're one of my favorite bands. Some they were on Vlad this year too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some of my favorite people, uh, especially Sarah, the vocalist, is like one of my best friends. Yeah. Um. I I just love what they're doing. Uh, all their advocacy for mental illness and things like that. Uh, it's almost equally about that as it is about making music for them. It's yeah, like yeah. It, the band is more 
uh, a vessel for them to go worldwide, and they have gone worldwide. They've toured Europe, they're touring Australia, like just to uh, spread the message of self care and uh, talking about mental illness issues. And I think yeah. it's really important, especially you know nowadays things are tough. Yeah, yeah, they are. Your favorite music memory? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) There's, oh man, I have so many, but it's, it's got to be something live. Can I just go with a recent one? Yeah. My hundredth show. Yeah. We were talking about when, uh, so Tom shouted you out. Tom shouted me out on stage. Menzingers. Yeah. Yeah. Tom from the Menzingers shouted me out on stage for it being my 100th show. That was really special to me because that's like my favorite band. Yeah, dude. And that new record is so good. It is so good. Oh, God. That band is stupid good. It's not funny. Um, You asked me to ask you about the Law Dispute release show for somewhere at the bottom yeah. of the river between Vega and Altair. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's moderately funny story, at least right. to me. Yeah. So it was my only interaction with Jordan from Lot of Yeah. And so I was at their album release show at Skeletones in the winter of 2008. Yep. And it was a packed house. I mean, it was like shoulder to shoulder in there. Yeah. And I was towards the very back of the room, and Jordan uh, was making his way through. It was, like, I think before their set, and he was moving very fast through the crowd. He was clearly in a hurry for something. Yeah. And he ran so hard into my wheelchair, I could feel my whole 300-pound wheelchair shift in place wow like like, like yeah sideways yeah yikes and he's clearly in pain holding his leg and all he can do is make sure that i'm okay yeah and i'm like that is i feel like it's classic jordan i don't know the guy personally oh dude that's but his whole persona yeah can be wrapped up into that little interaction you know i always like worry that I talk about that band too much or I give them too much love or too much. And I do that with maybe a lot of the, mm-hmm. the um, acts that I really get behind the Michiganders and the Shortleys and the Flint Eastwoods and all that kind of stuff. But like, there is no person who is more deserving of any success that they've been given mm-hmm. than Jordan Dreyer. Like he is the most uh, thoughtful and just, he lives the ethic that that you see like yeah. that, yeah. So that's that's that is funny because that's exactly how he would react. Is exactly, like his foot would be like mangled and just broken and whatever, and he'd I mean, be like, "Are you good? Are you good?" And then he'd quietly limp outside and take right. care of his own whatever, you know. I'm like, dude, I'm like worried you broke your leg before you were set, like, yeah. it, it, you know. And I was totally fine. You didn't even you didn't even touch me, you know. Did uh. He's a sweetheart. Yeah, he is. He really is. Do you have a, a, a worst music moment that sticks out to you? Um, Something where, 
maybe the community like let you down or, or just a moment where it like kind of the, the sheen was taken off for a minute, you know, the glow went away. One of them, it was at least what I touched on earlier, going to that show and it's down a flight of stairs. Yeah. Um, that one really sucked. My friends were playing that show. It's like, dang, you guys should have, you could have, you could have told me at least. Right, right. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I try not to focus too much on the, the, the bad ones. Yeah. I mean, it always sucks when you find out that an artist you really liked is either an abuser or has some sort of, you know. The one year Blood Fest, we had six bands we had to drop all because of six. I remember that. It was what, 07 or, or no, it was 17 or 18? I, I think it was 17. It was the year before I went. Power Bottom was the, the chief one of all of them, but boy, there was like, there were two that never even got announced. They got like mm -hmm. deleted before, but then that was also Island of Misfit Toys and mm -hmm. shit. I don't remember. And, and we don't want to dwell, but like right. those things suck too. Um, where you have moments. I mean, one of the biggest book bands, I biggest shows I ever booked in my life was a brand new show, mm -hmm. you know, at the common ground festival in Lansing. And I just have to forever put like an asterisk by that one. Like, yeah, it was the biggest show I ever booked, but like, <laughs> you know, what do you even say? Right. Like, you know, what for, is it <laughs> for a band that I was so passionately loving, you know, yeah. and just, yeah, it's just like, uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. Cause that one, that's a band that like really got so many people in our time into that kind of music. Well, it also got a lot of people through really tough times, including exactly. people that struggled with the exact thing that they got, I know. that they did wrong. You yeah. Know? And, so I guess geez. my, or Power Bottom is another one too that like was such a uh an advocate older, kind of band. Yeah, right, right. They were an advocate for like being yourself and like yeah. all that stuff and then for them to be the thing that they're advocating against. But I'll let you get back to brand new. I kinda cut you off there. No, I was gonna tie it back to like my my <clears throat> worst music experience is finding out when people like co opt these like good causes, you know, as a band and then it turns out like they're they're totally taking advantage of that platform sure. to use it in like a negative way. The or, ones that are purposefully doing it are probably yeah. the worst of them because it's just like oh, yeah, it just cheapens all of it. it. Cheapens every moment that every kid had on the positive side, every breakthrough that they had, every yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's let's go down a different. <laughs> let's <Man>. do that. <laughs> um. Do you have any advice for fellow creative people in this world? Um, for sure. How do I phrase it? Yeah. Uh, first of all, just go for it. You know, like if you have an idea uh, with a positive force behind it, uh, just, just go for it. Just try it. Yeah. And like, whether anyone listens at first or pays any attention at first, like know that it's it's worth your while to get that creative energy out and to try new things. And like do it enough and you never know, like someone else might care. It might resonate with somebody. Yeah. Very cool. That's, yeah. Yeah, I think that the 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 thing I always encourage people to do 
when they're looking for advice with the music business or, mm-hmm. or to get into music in any fashion, whether it's performing or the industry side or whatever, it's like, you got to just start doing it. Right. Just start doing it. Get in wherever you can, whatever your entry point is and be impressive. And you know, there isn't like a definitive like way to do any of this kind of stuff. Right. Right. You know, it's when I, so Skitchen zine sort of branched also into Skitchen fast and things like that. When I was booking the first Kitchen Fest in uh, 2017, uh, I asked like all kinds of. It was the first show I had ever booked. Yeah, and so I asked all kinds of friends of mine that had done booking before, like, what's like some advice? And they had some general advice, but their biggest thing just went back to like, well, you ask a venue and you ask bands to play. Yeah, and. Go so, fall on your face and learn from that. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. some people are going to say no. Yeah. And some people just aren't really going to give a shit. But, like, as long as you do, you know, it matters. So. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, go for it. That's, that's, the, that's the advice. What's the future plan for you to affect change in your community? I want to, I plan to keep affecting change just... By being myself, uh, my advocacy is a 24-7 kind of thing. Just living and normalizing, uh, you know, people's differences, and uh, that's okay. Mine being uh, that I am a disabled person uh, in the music and arts community. Yeah. Uh, to specify that, I am currently writing a my first book, which is just about my life and kind of tying in a lot of the stuff that we have talked about, uh, yeah. especially regarding accessibility, you know, visibility, inclusivity, that kind of thing. Yeah. And again, just normalizing uh, disability and like, so much of my life is in the music and arts scene. So you're going to get a lot of stories about that kind of stuff yeah. and what I've done and what I've been involved in. This kind of thing in paper form. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's just put it all in one readable place. Is it going to be a traditional book book or kind of like a, I, I mean, with your artist artistry, I, I can see it being something that's, visual and words is it going to be like a like a it'll you know a little little chapter book or are we talking about like a i'm thinking more like a coffee table book with some you know drawings and things right i can't imagine ever putting anything out that didn't have some of my art involved in it yeah uh but it'll probably be closer to like a memoir kind of thing. Right. Uh, Chapter book. I'm four. I have a four year old. So like uh, (laughs) my classifications of things with pages are kind of broken right now, but yeah, memoir. That's where I was. I've never done something this long before. Yeah. I have written um, a bunch of zines and that kind of thing. Right. I've written a million articles, you know, on various music websites and things like that. But yeah, but nothing this long form. So uh, the advice I got from uh, an author friend um, was to just write a series of essays 
so, and that could even just end up being a book. It's just a series of sure. essays. Yeah, whether it, whether it is like tied together like a more traditional book or, or just stands alone as it is, right. it is a, a conversation for later. Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing this podcast. I mean, we're doing, we've done seven interviews and we haven't done a damn thing as far as intros, outros, artwork. Um, we don't even have a name for the thing yet. Yeah. Um, all of that's going to come together and it's going to sound like when I do my outro for this, like, this is the blah, blah, blah podcast and blah, 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 blah. But like <laughs> right now, it's like the most important thing to me is to get these stories and to figure out like, this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to, right. I wanted to get deeper with folks like you that I, that again, I can see, I can see what you're doing and I can see what social media like kind of says and like what I see when I see you for a couple hours at a show. Mm-hmm. Like I want to dig deeper and see like what the motivation is and not only what the motivation is, but like how we can help, how we can help in our everyday walk that we take yeah. through life. Also like people listening how they can get involved and all that kind of thing. So for sure, you know, I'm excited to see how the book turns out. I want, I want keep me posted on that. Are you collaborating with anybody? You said you have an author friend that gave you some advice. Yeah. Um, it, or is it a pretty personal thing at this moment? Uh, it's very personal at yeah. the moment. Yeah. Uh, my grandmother has also written two um, books. Yeah. So I'm like, I might, well, I'll definitely get, be getting advice from her yeah. about things, but um, as I go along further. but You tweeted I, that you were going to shout out your grandma in some fashion during this podcast. Today, oh, yeah, because so. in, in your initial email to me, it was like, how down are you to talk about certain things? And one of those things was like was like religion. My, yeah. My, uh, my grandma is a retired pastor. Okay, yeah. Uh, which is... Like growing up as like a pastor's kid or grandkid, yeah, was like very interesting because man, pastors are like celebrities in their churches, dude. Yeah. So I like me and my cousins and my little brother, like it was it was total. We were like worshipped in there, almost, sure, you know? and, and like there, no, there's no quick trip to the grocery store with them, you know. Like, <laughs> right. My there's, mom, my mom worked at the Bible store in downtown Brighton, Bible and bookstore, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing. Like we only grocery store with her when we were like eight or ten or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like grocery shopping should take an hour, maybe an hour and fifteen minutes. It was like a three hour like thing where it was like everybody saw mom and everybody yep. went and talked. So that was your grandma. <laughs> yep. Like when I'd go and stay at her house. uh she, you know, we'd go to church with her on Sunday morning and it would be like, okay, the service is over, but we're going to be here another like two hours because my grandma has to talk to like a hundred people. Sure. Yeah. She's the center of attention. Well, <laughs> yeah. she's the secondary center of attention, I guess, if religion's being done right. The, the, uh, right. the attention should be aiming a little, uh, you know, up in, up in the sky a little bit more. But uh, yeah. Uh, but no, my, it was, that was like really formative for me too, just with her being a woman pastor. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially in like, you know, it's been maybe not as wild to think that nowadays, but like in the nineties. Yeah. That wasn't common. No, certainly not at all. So, and it still isn't like, you know, it's obviously no, I mean, a dominantly male field, but yeah, it's gotten better. I for sure. Imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We're going to wrap this up with a speed round. Sounds good, man. Or I'm just going to fire some stuff at you. Give me the first thing that comes to your head. If you want to go deeper on something, feel free. We, we don't have a time limit. You okay. Know. Uh, 
you know, I just got to get home and relieve my wife. She's got uh, my four-year-old who has a double pink eye thing going on right oh, now, no. which is just awful. So I've been gone for three days, and she's just going to, like, hand Finley off to me and be like, here, I'm going out yeah. and sitting in my room for a minute because she's right. solo mom in it at home. But, uh, yeah, uh, best album of all time. On the Impossible Fast by Menzingers. All right. That was easy enough. But there's been a couple of like faces just explode on that question. Like, what you need? But uh, favorite concert experience? Um, the Menzingers at the Pyramids team a couple months ago. All right, we got Menzingers two for two. So the third one you can't answer with the Menzingers. Okay, it's about television. Do you watch a lot of TV? I'm not a huge TV guy. Um. Is there anything you binge watched recently? Yeah. What's the most recent thing you binge watched? Seinfeld. Okay. Were you down with Seinfeld like when it was on TV, or is it a new discovery for you? Um, I was down when it was on TV. Well, I was too. I was probably a little bit too young for when it was like in its prime. Sure. But like the tail end of it, you know, when I was, was when I was a kid, I was probably like eight or nine when yeah. it was wrapping up and then you know it's been rerunning forever my entire sure, life sure. so i was into the reruns when i was a teenager but i think this recent binge of the whole series was my first time actually going through in order chronologically yeah yeah you know how there's like those 10 shows out there that are like seinfeld friends the simpsons mm-hmm. like you almost have to have an opinion about them. You're yep. either pro or you're con, you know, you're either mm-hmm. yay or you're nay. I've never got down with Seinfeld. Really? And like, I feel like maybe if I sat down in a chronological order and yeah. like started it like that, that I might get it more. I think it's <clears throat> like, not that there's a, uh, really, a fully narrative story that ties it all together. Yeah, but, but the I, development of the characters and stuff. I think it's more. way better watching it start to finish because there's like these little callbacks, right? Uh, Which is part of the genius, probably. Yeah, it right. like it feels like a like a stand up special, but like a sitcom. Yeah, because like it always just calls back, and then it's done. Yeah. That was part of, I think, the genius of, like, The Office. Mm-hmm. And The Office, I think, broke down, you know, season six or something, where I was like, okay, we need to get off this train. And they mm-hmm. dragged it out for four more years. But yep. I could see that. Um, the best non-Menzinger musical performer that ever lived. Now, this is where my face goes, uh. Called out right there. And however you want to define that, I mean. Most talented, most oh man, most impressive, most whatever. I don't just um. So against me, okay. Like well, most, most powerful. Yeah, that was. I almost said that for, and I might even they're probably they like a one A one B. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so last year when I saw them at Three Stacks, yeah, that was. One of the coolest experiences I've ever had. You were side stage most of the day, like on the stage. Yeah. 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 Including for Against Me. Yeah. And then um, 
I ended up being, I guess, I guess you'd call it backstage there. It was yeah, there wasn't much to it. it. Yeah, it's just like. But I was backstage and I got to talk to Andrew um, from Against Me. And he's the bass player that, that just kind of rejoined. Right. That was yeah. his second show back, I believe, um, was Three Stacks. And I got to talking to him backstage and he told me and my friend Anthony that they were going to be back. They were going to be coming back soon. And I asked them like, Oh, where? And he said, pyramid scheme in Grand Rapids. Yeah. Yeah. And that was only like two or three months. Later. It was only a month later. We, really? we, we, we did both shows. Yeah. So three stacks was mine. And then we announced against me like the day of, or the day after, and it was, I think, July 29th after June 22nd, 23rd of yeah, Three Stacks. Yeah, so. it did announce the next yeah, day, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, we actually had posters up at Three Stacks, like around the perimeter fence. Oh, really? They had the show up. I yeah. missed that. Yeah. Um, but that the Pyramid Scheme show was maybe even... <sighs> Three Stacks was amazing. It was like a perfect day. Yeah. But, like... It was all sort of like one thing, you yeah, know, yeah. for me. And then seeing against me at the pyramid scheme, though, was like... Like mashed into that little room. Holy cow. Yeah, they exploded. Because they... that's like my... Ho- it was like they came to my house. Oh, my gosh. So, but We're against make me... make those yawns go... Oh, no, we can't. <laughs> against me is like one of the best... I mean, Laura is like yeah. the best performer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much. There's there's a whole podcast worth to unpack just on Against Me and the yeah. importance of that band. Yeah. Um, albums or singles? Albums all day. Okay. Uh, festivals, yay or nay? I'm into it. Yeah? I haven't been to many of them, so I'm not festivaled out yet. That sure. Might be yeah, yeah, right. But um, That's probably, yeah. I, I'm into it. I like that. It can draw so many different people to one place. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to go to, I really want to go to Riot Fest once. Yeah. And I want to see, I want to go to Fest in Gainesville as well. Yeah. I wonder if, you know, I've been to Riot Fest. Fest is a different monster because it's all indoor spaces and it's all like little clubs and stuff like that. I just, both of those from an accessibility standpoint would be, you know, I know Riot Fest has, uh, EDA platforms and things on pretty mm-hmm. much every stage. And I just remember like the terrain and the mud and the, right. the, the elements. They're just... certainly not ideal. I right. think for either. Yeah. I do have, uh, friends and chairs, uh, yeah. and other, um, you know, accessibility needs that, that go. And yeah. they're like, if you like reach out beforehand, like they're really accommodating and, well, hey, I know a person at Riot Fest who, uh, with Monique, and you, you do too now with uh, Support Your Fellow Rockers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's a dream we could probably uh, whip together for you. That'd be sick. It'd be interesting to see uh, what um, what the year 16 will be, because this one was a big one. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, they're all big. It just gets bigger every year. Hey, Slayer played. Yeah, right. Slayer's played a couple of times now, right? I think, I think so, Maybe? yeah. I don't know. It's, oh, it's Guar is the house band. Guar plays every year. Guar and Andrew WK are like on every year's lineup. It's oh, cool. Super funny. Um, a controversial opinion that you hold. Uh, I don't know. Pizza's overrated? Oh. Oh, that might be the most controversial one we've had dropped yet. I mean, 
It's over. Okay, I, explain. I mean, explain yourself. I mean, I love pizza, but like, I'd rather have a burrito. Okay. And right. uh, I don't know when I when I want pizza. I mean, I want like some real bougie pizza with like sure. chicken and like spinach and tomato kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, I think I can. I was talking with my wife the other day about Star Wars, and like I'm a fan, yeah, like a Star Wars fan, and like, ooh, maybe that's my most Star Wars I like, is overrated. I like it, hell. but it is overrated as hell. It's the movies themselves are actually probably pretty bad, but it's Dude. that it's it's the the Enterprise. No, that's not right because that would be Star Trek. The um, it's the uh, the depth of it all, I guess, and probably the the whims the whimsy of it all, right? That like makes it. I think every single episode or every podcast episode, we're gonna get to Star Wars in some fashion. Now, I mean, when you think about it, there's how many movies? Like ten. Yeah. And I can, in my opinion, definitively <clears throat> say there's like. Only three really good ones. All right, which ones? Well, let's see where this takes us. A New Hope, and Empire Strikes Back, and not Return of the Jedi. Okay, because but because the, the the Ewoks got a little 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 weird. Yeah, yeah. Well, what's the third one then? I really like Rogue One. Okay. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I can I can fuck with that. Okay. I don't. Uh, yeah, they're all bad in a way, <laughs> but they're all great in a way. I could say, right. okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I pizza's see. like that too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, okay. And like, I, we had a lot of pizza this weekend. <laughs> and right now, I would completely agree with you. On a night <laughs> where I'm craving pizza, I might disagree, but. Yeah. Okay. I think with Star Wars, like pizza, they have their place. Yeah. But it's almost like. People act like Star Wars is something bigger than it really is, which is basically, it's more just escapism. Yeah, I, dude, dude, this is, which is it my, has my brain's going with this. Yeah. So think about like in, like, movies in, are supposed to be fun and like, yeah, they're fun. Right. Like in Howl, where we're from, uh, there's this thing called the Balloon Fest mm-hmm. and another thing called the Melon Fest. And for some reason, everyone freaking goes. Mm-hmm. It's their, it's our thing, but it's not good. Yeah. You know, it's like not anything, but we all still go every year and we order pizza and we watch Star Wars and we go to Balloon Fest because <laughs> they're ours. It's just what we do. Okay. Mm-hmm. We, we've run this into the ground. I, I like it though. Like pizza and Star Wars. Just Same thing. Can crash together. Last one. Guilty pleasure. What's your guilty pleasure? It can be musically. It can be food. It can be. TV, Dude, movies that you like. I don't feel guilty about things that I like. I'm trying to think. I mean, that's a mood right there. That's a, maybe a controversial opinion that there are no guilty pleasures. Yeah, I don't feel guilty about things that I like. Here's some like, I like the the card game Yu Gi Oh a okay. lot, even though I'm almost thirty. Okay. And that's becoming more. I think it's normal like, as yeah, like it's not your, like, your generation grows up and like yeah, like, it's not that out there. But I do like Yu Gi Oh. Right, like look, I play D anD D. You know, I don't, right. but I'm just saying, like thirty. This your generation is just like, shut up. That's what I've been doing since I was ten. So mm-hmm. okay, 
what is Yu-Gi-Oh? I, I like, I know Pokemon. I know like, is it kind of in that same? It's, it's realm? in the same realm for sure. Do you remember like Magic the Gathering? Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of like that in okay. a way. It's it's a in that that it's a card game where you have like monsters and spells and building deck type of game. Yep. Yeah, got it. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Ty, where can we find more about you on the interwebs if we want to dig deeper on what you're doing or who you are? Uh, your best bet is to find me on different social medias, uh, mainly Twitter and Instagram. It's a good follow. It's a good follow. Um, my Twitter is Kitchen Tweets. And then on Instagram, my personal account is Breach the Levy. And then my art account is tmd.art. And you're on Bad Copy. Yep. The, is, I think it's thebadcopy.com. The yep. Um, you sent me a link to badcopy.com, which sent me to some other site, and then oh. I originally figured it out. But I'm the worst at that. Because <laughs> like, our, our whole team is just bad copy. And yeah. so then I... But it's thebadcopy.com. Okay. Anything else we missed that you want to share? Any shout-outs? Any last-minute stories? Um, miss anything? I think we clearly defined who Ty Dykema is. I think we did. Cool. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for letting us into your home to do this. This has been really cool. Yeah, man. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll see you at the scheme. Definitely. And and wherever else we can see you. Thanks, bud. Thank you. How cool is it that the Beastie Boys was was Ty's first first record that he owned? How much cooler is it that you add to that that he grew up listening to Slayer with his dad? What a cool, cool freaking dude. Uh, shout out, special thanks to Ty Dykema for welcoming us into his home, letting us sit down with him for a little bit and uh, tell his story. Thanks to uh, Tyler Floyd over there for producing. Appreciate your uh, assistance as always. We got seven of them done. Oh, yeah. And I'm feeling pretty good about it. Uh, we're learning on the fly, right? And uh, so far, so good. This is good. If you like what you hear, shoot us an email, hereforNowPod at gmail.com. Uh, head to our website, hereforNowPodcast.com. You can uh, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on social media at HereForNowPod. Thanks for your support. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you all. And uh, we'll talk to you soon.